All right, thanks for tuning into the Drink 5 podcast. Today we're talking fantasy football and specifically week four trends and truths. Welcome again. It is Dave and Jason sending you out some fantasy football knowledge from week to week here uh, in the 265 studio at 8.30 p.m. on Tuesdays. Most of the time. Anyway, right, Jay? 8.30 p.m.-ish. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you start off like we always do, talking about what we're drinking, and then we'll move on to some injuries, updates, trends, all sorts of stuff for the week. Well, uh, currently in front of me I have an Emmett's Pale Ale, which I'm kind of cheating. We have had it on a show very recently, I think last week or the week before, uh, but there was one left in the fridge. Uh, we do have a couple of stellar-looking bombers here. We've got, hey, careful, man, there's a beverage here from Pipeworks. Um, that is a White Russian Imperial Milk Stout. So, of course, it's going to be kind of like a White Russian. And then we've got the Wreckage Master Double IPA from Salamoth Brewing. Uh, so both of these uh, breweries that we'll be sampling today are, you know, very local. So that's excellent. Of course, local in Chicago is an enormous place, and there's a whole lot to choose from. It's not like we're in some backwoods area where like, we just happen to have a bunch of good breweries. We're not in the backwoods. You're narrowing down our location. You've eliminated about 10% of the United States. We're in the flyover states. I'll grant you that. <laughs> um, as always, uh, nice to uh, see everybody start joining us in the chat room here. Live, remember that you can always uh, submit your lineup questions or comments or whatever. Uh, and we'll answer them throughout the show as soon as we get to them. If you are listening not live, which I guess is the opposite of live, uh, imagine that. <laughs> it's later. Unlive. If you're listening unlive, <laughs> then uh, you can always email Jason or myself at jason at drink5.com or dave at drink5.com or go to drink5.com and use the contact form. Send us your questions and we'll get back to you. Also available on Twitter at Drink5, Facebook at Drink5 Network, all over the place. You can reach us. Um, so, so yeah, let's, uh, get right into it. And, uh, like I usually do, this guy's got some great beers. Sometimes I bring in some great beers, uh, but I usually start the show with a, uh, with a not so great beer, maybe to provide some perspective. I'm not sure, but I've got a PBR here ready to crack. It makes it taste better later. Yeah. It makes the good beer taste better later. Well, I just went on a camping trip and drank a 30 pack of these with another guy, which was awesome. But, you know, uh, in my advanced age of mid-30s, I can only have uh, a certain amount of PBR per week. Oh, really? What's your, what's your quota now? <laughs> this is dangerous. I hope my doctor's not listening. Uh, probably something like maybe 10 to 12 PBRs, and then after that, I'm, I have to give myself like a... Like a you have to cut it off. Yeah. Like, that has been too much. In. Come on, we need craft beer, people. Craft. Right, <laughs> right, right. You need some really good flavor. You need to... You need to really drink some good beer. So let's jump into uh, some some interesting news and uh, updates and injuries and, and sort of whatever we deem relevant out there. So first of all, Tyler Eifert, who's uh, a tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals, has been pretty good for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and he's practicing again, but he's still not back playing. And a lot of people have picked him up and they you know they have him on their teams. Which he is, was the red zone master last year. I think he had twelve touchdowns. You cannot, you know, you can't 
shake a whatever you want at that. It's, so that's good stats, right? And and if he's out there on the waiver wire, now is the time to pick him up. If he's not already been picked up, he probably was sniped a week or two ago when people realized that he was getting uh, a little closer to coming back. But I think he was drafted in several of my leagues. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't know how wise that was. It's not like Le'Veon Bell's production, uh, but sure, it's not like having him come back, and we'll get to that. It sucks. Or we'll get to that. Well, it sucks to. Uh, to draft somebody like that that you don't know when they're going to come back. So, like, Bell, for example, is suspended for the first three games. So, so you that's know, very known. Well, you know he's going to be back in, in game four, so you can work with that. You can kind of move around your your players, etc. But a guy that's injured that's not like uh, like a Jamal Charles, for example. Yeah, Jamal Charles is what came to my mind. I mean, he might come back soon. I don't know what role he'll play. Uh, Gronkowski Eifert, was kind of the same way. Gronkowski, Eifert, they, they all might come back soon. But because they were not 100% guaranteed to start on your team at the beginning of the year, now you got to sort of play Tetris with your squad sometimes, especially Although, if you're affected fair, by other injuries. To be fair to myself, and let's be honest, that's who I want to be fair to, um, Gronkowski's injury status wasn't really known until like right before the first game. Well, the whole time they were saying that he has had been affected by injuries, blah blah blah. Um, so you're right; they didn't say he was going to be out until. Yeah, there was never a hint that he would be out, and certainly missing points for three games is a killer. Yeah, and the zero from last week when everyone figured, well, he's back, we might as well start him. You know, that was clearly not the smart move. Sure, but but then you've got Bell and Gronk, who are guys that are, have been. Uh, you know, top of the pops. Uh, I guess Eifert sort of is there as well, but he wasn't drafted first uh, or second or whatever in his positions, uh, in his position any of those years. Right. You probably didn't hurt yourself by drafting Eifert. Let's, you know, I, I don't think, I, don't, I think it was probably a decent move as long as he comes back and plays well. Yeah. Uh, with Shane Vereen out for a while now, it looks like he might be out for the whole season or he might come back later in the season, but he's not really worth owning in these leagues right now. Um, yeah, you know, I don't even remember seeing that he might come back, to be honest with you. I thought it was just all year. Well, you just, I don't think you want to even talk about Shane Vereen because you had him on past teams and you just want to put him out of your memory. But he I actually, pretty much do. I have kind of tried to, you know, just erase him from my mind. He actually has done pretty well, especially because uh, Rashad Jennings was injured. Um, so Vereen stepped into the lead role and he put up a bunch of points. Um, he had a, a touchdown, uh, 11 rushes for 67 yards. The previous week he had 14 for 42. So he was actually doing pretty well, and he might have been the guy for the rest of the year or you know, for as long as Jennings is nursing his little thumb injury, which seems like an awful long time, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> well, Jennings has been out for one week so far. I don't know. It's not that bad. So uh, we've got Orleans Darkwell, who put up like 13 or 14 points last week. And then Paul Perkins, who's a rookie, fifth-round uh, rookie, uh, sort of in the same class as Jordan Howard uh, on the Bears, right. who also will get a chance now to have some carries. And Jennings, as you know, he was sort of given the chance to be the lead back for the Giants from the beginning of the season, but he hasn't really shown that much of anything either. So if, if any of these guys pan out to become the guy, the Giants are a team that will just go with them. So it's a situation that's developing there to look for uh, maybe someone popping out. Yeah, that's how I see it. Uh, Rashad Jennings was, you know, in preseason, the talk was that, you know, it's his job now. And when he didn't, like, immediately produce a whole lot of, you know, very well, they kind of, like, it, late in the first game, in the second game, they kind of went back to using a timeshare with him and Vereen. 
now that Vereen is gone, I don't know that, you know, him and Darkwa, they probably have more complementary features, so they won't be switched back and forth as much. Well, Jennings still isn't back in the game, and it is granted just a thumb injury, so we expect him back somewhat soon. Right, the the last blurb I read earlier today was that they expect him to play this week, but, you know, that's not till Sunday. And so all I was saying is to, to look out for those guys. Uh, this could be one of those things where, like, you know, Perkins pops up and it ends up being a great receiving back. They don't have Vereen anymore, so he splits carries with Jennings for the rest of the season. Um, uh, the Giants' sort of running back roulette, roulette has happened for the past couple of years, and we thought maybe it wouldn't, but it looks like it's it's right there again. Yeah. Um, Mike Zimmer, uh, of course, he's the coach of the Vikings. Uh, we saw a lot of him earlier in the season when Teddy Bridgewater was horrifically injured. I saw a couple press conferences where he was just, he looked like he was stunned and didn't know how to deal with life. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, uh, whenever he gets rookies, and we're talking specifically about Laquan Treadwell, who was drafted at the, you know, in a lot of um, redraft leagues, and then as the sort of the, the weeks at the end there went on, he fell out of people's rosters because he wasn't really being uh, mixed in with the starters in the preseason. And Zimmer, his MO with rookies has always been to ease them in slowly. Uh, it looks to me as if Diggs is doing well again this year, and Bradford is a serviceable quarterback. But Charles Johnson, who is the guy who is playing sort of the ex-receiver role uh, that Treadwell would step into if he ended up getting playing time, has been sucking it up. So the pressure now, Very much so. the pressure is kind of on Zimmer to introduce Treadwell to the game because really highly drafted rookie pick. You know, this is kind of where like the Vikings fans are like, we're doing well. Why don't we, you know, introduce a, a new big body target that's that's good, at least in theory, to the team. So I do expect Treadwell to start moving out there and Charles Johnson to kind of fade into obscurity again, uh, just because. If you have a guy out there who's a starter and you have someone better waiting in the wings, it's an eventuality. It is. Uh, I think Zimmer is a very conservative coach, and one of the things that he looks at as a rookie is, you know, is he always going to run the right route to avoid interceptions, and is he going to have good control of the ball? If he can have those two things, if he can have the route tree down, uh, and if he can hold on to the ball when he does get the ball, I think that that will translate to plenty of playing time for him. But if, if he, you know, runs the wrong route and they pick him off, or they pick off Sam Bradford, that is. I don't think, I think he's going to be a very short leash when he finally gets on the field. Well, perhaps. Um, just a speculative pick, especially for you out there in deeper leagues, etc. Sure. Um, but I do expect, and I think most people expected him to not catch on immediately. Um, that was sort of the buzz around town. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is back. Oh, shit, dog! <laughs> and uh, he looks ready to jump right into the bell cow role that he was in previously uh, when he was healthy and playing. Unfortunately for Bell owners, he doesn't often finish that whole season uh, based on his previous playing record. But I'm a Steelers fan, and we know, um, having watched the team for a long period of time, that even if they put in D'Angelo Williams for a series or something like that, it's going to be Bell playing almost every single snap because he's a great blocker, he's a great, um, well... He's basically put it this way. He's, he's a great player. He's like D'Angelo Williams, except he's younger and more explosive. So right. he's he's going to be better in every respect as long as he's out there. So those of you who have Le'Veon Bell, uh, you you basically have your running back position now on lockdown uh, for as long as he's going to be playing. So keep the guy away from the pot and uh, the alcohol, and make sure he takes Ubers everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've said that he. Uh, 
is in great shape and totally up to date on what the team is doing. Because so, he's been in the building. He's been going to the running back meetings, Are you allowed to do that? I believe because it wasn't a suspension for certain things. It was because of failing for the drug test. certain things, okay. They let you. They let you at least hang out with the team and like learn. But yeah, he hasn't been practicing. Okay, but like Tom Brady doesn't get to even like he's not even supposed to text message Julian Edelman apparently. <laughs> and they probably have some uh, some like adult monitoring, uh, child monitoring software on his phone now. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, fair enough. I, I can look into that. But I, what I believe what I heard today was that Williams or uh, Bell rather has been in the building. He's been learning. He's been up to date on all of the new uh, play calls and everything that's been going on. He's just not actually able to practice with the squad. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So that's good for him. He does have the advantage there over some other players who can't even go and you know be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking forward to it, obviously. Is I've got him in two leagues. I've been waiting. Is D. Wills now sort of just relegated to the sidelines? He'll probably play a series every game because he's still... He's still there. He's still good. And obviously, if Bell was to go out, then Williams goes right back up as a top five running back. So do you think he'll be a valuable component going forward? Or is he someone now that you should really just try to dump off to the Bell owner you know, and tell him, well, look what happens. He, he might come true. back in. That's true. I mean, he is essentially now the most valuable handcuff in the league, right. more so than like a Chris Johnson. So, um, I, you know, D'Angelo Williams... It's hard to write him off because last year he finished as a top 10 running back because he got so much time at the beginning and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Is that going to happen again? Is it worth holding on to a roster spot for so long? It may never happen. Um, so, But you're right as far as a number one handcuff. I mean, I've got Tim Hightower as... in a league who's a backup for Mark Ingram. Uh, Williams is a much better guy to have than Hightower. If I had the choice, Absolutely. I would I would definitely grab him. Problem was, D'Angelo Williams was a guy who got drafted he like got in drafted. the sixth round. Well, people started in the last couple of weeks, and of, actually he had a great week one, but struggled the last two weeks. Um, so I I personally wouldn't keep him around. I I am a bell owner. I've gotten some D'Angelo Williams offers. For now, I've turned it down. To be honest with you, I'm kind of dumbfounded as to what happened to the Steelers last week. I hope it's a we'll burn the tape and. Just pretend that that never happened and resume business as usual. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they got beat by an Eagles team that people weren't sold on uh, by a rookie quarterback, I don't know. Maybe the Steelers aren't quite as good as the hype, but with Le'Veon Bell coming back, and as long as he's healthy, D'Angelo Williams is essentially worthless. So, to leave it at that, I would not keep D'Angelo Williams around. Okay, uh, Bears running back Jeremy Langford had a severe high ankle sprain in week three. I didn't even really see it when we were watching the game, but I guess he was carted off. Uh, and then he tried to... Uh, I felt he... like I was actually paying attention to the game, too. <laughs> and I caught like a just a side note. They must have like done it all during a commercial break or something. Yeah, certainly possible. And what that means is that Jordan Howard, who's a fifth-round uh, rookie draft pick, who's been kind of uh, encroaching on Langford by taking... A couple of of uh, snaps per game and, and a little bit more each week, and getting some good uh, leverage and um, showing some elusiveness. Had like a thirty six yard run to start the game last week, but then only had like forty nine yards on the game. Yeah, it doesn't mean that that Howard is going to be a great running back, but what it does mean is that he'll get first crack here over Kadeem Carey uh, of, of being the lead running back for the Bears. 
right away. So this is one of those things where we were talking about before. You've got um, a rookie who's a fifth-round draft pick who could come in and, and be explosive, but he is on a team, uh, unlike the Vikings, that just doesn't really have it together at all. This is an 0-3 team as opposed to a 3-0 and team. Um, so you've got a sort of a... They're going to lose a lot more games than three this year. You, <laughs> Bad news for Bears fans. You've got a guy that's going to get pounded a little bit, and the team doesn't really have it together, and the quarterback isn't really uh, someone that defenses are are going to. Um, Neither quarterback is to be fearing. So it's going to be tough for him to be fantasy relevant. Although any starting running back, if that's what he does end up becoming, is by default fantasy relevant to some degree. You could play him probably as a flex play, but I guarantee you there's weeks where he gets four points. And especially for right now, I think the Bears signed Joyke Bell today. Like They're not going to be giving Joyke Bell the ball. Langford, or I'm sorry, Howard is going to be the one who gets the majority, if not pretty much all of the carries that they have to well, give. Bell's the veteran. They're, he's going to be getting the ball a little bit. Like it or not. <laughs> yeah, but Howard has been in the offense getting the ball already. I don't really think that they're going to bring Joyke Bell in and give him the ball over Jordan Howard. No, the, like I said, Howard gets the crack at it. That's what this is. Uh, but he is a rookie, so we don't know how good he is at blocking, which is a huge thing for running backs. Um, and we, we know that he has some explosivity. Uh, but whether or not he becomes, you know, a guy who's fumbling or a guy who gets injured or a guy who who uh, is plotting, we don't really know yet. So it's as a, as a uh, Bears fan for many years, uh, there have been some great running backs on the Chicago Bears. Most recently, Matt Forte. I don't think that uh, any of the guys on the Bears roster are up to that talent level. But Jordan Howard's no, definitely not. Jordan Howard's a guy that should be owned. And we talk about waiver wire picks later in the podcast. He is a guy that is probably the uh, the top or, or within the top two waiver wire picks for this week. Uh, some people that were pretty smart were looking at him on week two or, or week three uh, just because there were whispers all over the place, especially here in the Chicago market, about how Langford was going to be eclipsed by him anyway. So this injury really just gives Howard the, you know, the, the thumbs up and the chance to go ahead and try it earlier. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, all the best to Jordan Howard. I hope it works out. Um, I may end up grabbing him in a couple leagues, hopefully. you know He's going to be the hot pickup this week, though. Him and uh, Pryor. Sure. Uh, the Vikings were pretty awesome this week and, in fact, have been the best defense to play as a fantasy squad the entire year. Reminding me of the Broncos last year, who really don't look the same this year at all. I think the uh, Vikings might carry themselves all the way to the playoffs based only on the strength of their defense and a sort of game-managing <laughs> offense. Well, they don't really need Adrian Peterson uh, as much if they have a sort of game-altering defense. And Vikings were good last year, but the they were not. The defense is on a whole other level this year. They were not this good. They, they are easily the best defense fantasy-wise over the first three games. And non-fantasy-wise, I would say they're the best defense that I've seen across the league so far this year. Which is crazy because the Broncos last year, for example, were kind of almost a historical level defense, not 85 Bears. They or... overshadowed an amazing Carolina Panthers defense. Yeah. And uh, the, I mean, there's a lot of really good defenses in this league. Uh, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Patriots, like all these teams. And the Vikings look like they're just playing way better than all of them. Well, when we look at the top defenses over the, the first couple weeks, they are not exactly who you would think would stack up. And specifically in week three, we had some huge defensive performances that looked like they would belong to quarterbacks. So the Vikings scored 26, the Chiefs had 35 points, 
The Bills had 22 points, the Pats uh, 18, and the Eagles 17. Uh, I have a squad, for example, on a, in a league that plays two defenses per week. I have uh, the Vikings and the Eagles on that team, and they've really kicked ass every single week. I'm actually not going to be dropping the Eagles defense, even though it's a bye week, because the Eagles are something else right now. Uh, these defenses are really, really interesting um, because they're not defenses that you would think uh, at the beginning of the year would have been fantasy relevant. I, you know, I like the Vikings. I made sure I picked up the Vikings for my dynasty team uh, earlier in the year before the season started, and I kept them through the week with the Packers, and now I know that, like, I think that they're going to be the defense, you know, that sets the standard for the rest of the year. Well, not only that, but if you look at their schedule, and I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at their schedule over the next couple weeks, it's really good. It's really juicy. And they've got all of those matchups uh, with Detroit and Chicago. They've got the Giants this week, the Texans next week. We saw that the Texans, um, you know, didn't, they really struggled against New England. Like, terribly. They didn't score any points. Well, they have a newish quarterback, and, and they've really only got the uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody else on the offense is sort of just learning. Right. So they play the Eagles when they come back from bye. So that's like two weeks in a row that the Vikings offense isn't the best choice. But then they have the Bears, the Lions, the Redskins three weeks in a row. You no, know, they're, they're a defense to own all year. So if you have them, keep a hold of them tight unless you can trade them to, uh, to someone for... Uh, for an actual offensive player, which is always cool if you can do that with the defense. Now, what what do you think their value is? Like in a free agency bidding system or... Right now? Yeah, or in a waiver like... WR2? No, I meant... Oh, okay, if you mean for trade value. I, I almost meant like for um, the uh, free agent bidding system. Uh, how much would you spend on them? For and, a defense? Yeah. In FAAB? Um... Probably they have a bye week coming up, so it'd be a little difficult. Depends on how big your bench is, but I think that in order to get them, because they are the best defense this year, easily it would probably have to spend at least let's say fifteen dollars out of a hundred dollar budget. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty big commitment for them. If you have like the first waiver pick in a in a league that doesn't reset every week, I think that they're worth taking them. Well, I mean, I could see someone trading a guy like uh, like like Willie Sneed or Emmanuel Sanders or something for. The Minnesota for the defense, defense. <laughs> and I mean, talk about it. Last year, the Broncos' defense was being traded around like that too, and it makes sense. It's true. If they're going to put up twenty points a week, which they, have they three touchdowns so far, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and Kansas City may have been kind of a fluke, but I mean, uh, they are a great defense, so they're just taking advantage of a bad situation for the Jets' offense. Yeah, I mean, six interceptions is mostly Brian Fitzpatrick's fault. Yeah, uh, and like you said, the Pats are a defense that is generally up there anyway, um, but the Eagles aren't, and they've been performing really well. So look at them uh, after the bye. If people drop them, they might be a good pickup uh, after the week four bye. Hey, you know, people said, oh, well, you guys played Cleveland and you played the Bears, but then they played the Steelers and they only gave up three points. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And you were talking about that earlier. It, it could just be that the Eagles are really awesome this year. Yeah. Because uh, they have, certainly haven't proved otherwise. Sure, why not? I don't, I don't know. And speaking of that, so Carson Wentz has now 769 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions, which climbs, uh, sort of climbing his way towards some, uh, some records. 
and the Eagles are three and zero with Carson Wentz. So I'm just going to call him Carson um, Wins. Carson the Great or something. I don't know. <laughs> Carson the Apparently Great. I think it's probably a better nickname. Carson the Don't Get Too Hyped Yet, but he's pretty good. No, I think you should get hyped. Um, I think that the... The Eagles fans are definitely getting hyped. Well, this is three games, and he's he's done really, really well against teams uh, like the Steelers that, that were previously just kicking the butt of the other teams. So I don't see any reason why he would suddenly decline. Of course, he's a rookie. So who knows? But it looks to me like this guy has all of the uh, essentials and equipment that he needs uh, mentally and physically to be a Ben Roethlisberger-esque guy. And they compared him to Ben a lot during the Steelers game. He's a big guy. He's not afraid of contact. You know, he can he can whip the ball downfield. Uh, he shows some poise in the pocket and uh, some elusiveness there. So I am kind of just shocked that. Um, that this is what's occurring. <laughs> yeah, well, he does have to play the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Ravens this season. Um, I think that the first team to figure him out is going to be the Vikings. The Vikings are going to have a whole bye week, uh, you know, to come back and study and figure out Carson Wentz because nobody so far, and none of the defenses coming up for the Eagles are very promising uh, in terms of like figuring out how to stop this guy because that's what you need to stop these rookies. Otherwise, they're just going to keep running rampant. If one of the teams can't figure out how to stop them, I'm sorry, as soon as one of the teams figures out how to stop them and puts it on tape, other teams can study that. Yeah, but there's a whole scheme here. They've got a new coach. They've got a new playbook. They've got Doug Peterson doing stuff. They've, they're really a lot mixed up from from when they were with Chip Kelly trying to do a bunch of crazy college stuff. Um, and Right. It's totally structured differently now, thankfully for the Eagles. And, of course... Like, somehow it seems like that's working in San Francisco. <laughs> no, nothing's working in San Francisco. Okay, fine. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. But they've got uh, guys like Wendell Smallwood and Dar- Darren Sproles out there just sort of mixing things up and making it crazy. Um, we'll see. You're right. We need more time on the Eagles. But uh, everything points to them having a great season, even if they do obviously have a couple losses um, against teams. Um, so looking at some of the top performers from last week, just interested to see well, what guys had you know some outstanding games. So Jameis Winston, who we've talked about a couple times, um, being really great last year, especially towards the end. Um, was he going to carry that over into this year? Well, Tampa Bay was struggling for a little while, but in this past game uh, versus the Rams, he had 405 yards and three touchdowns. That was fantastic. They did, a, buddy. they did a great job, although they lost. But that's what happens when the Buccaneers play the Rams. One, no one cares. <laughs> and, and, and two, the outcome can be very strange. Um, Matt Stafford was the number two guy there. Also a good thing to talk about. Played Green Bay. That's an in-division game. And uh, Green Bay has been letting some, uh, some passes fly over them. But their defense has never been um, exceptional. It's always been above average. So I wouldn't expect um, Matt Stafford to to uh, throw any less than like you know thirty five forty passes every single game this season. Matt Stafford is uh, the fastest quarterback to twenty three hundred completions. It took him a hundred games. Right. So those guys, that's those twenty three. That's twenty three completions per game. That's awesome. Those guys, both great quarterback picks um, that that look to do well throughout the rest of the year. Um, as far as because they're on teams that are going to lose a bunch, <laughs> and as we always see at the top of the quarterback list, loss, 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 loss. As far as the rushers are concerned, we had Devonta Freeman and Ezekiel Elliott on the top of that list. 
very interesting. Uh, the Atlanta offense was was really great versus New Orleans. Their defense is worse than bad. So obviously start <laughs> everyone against the Saints. We're thinking watching the game early that Tevin Coleman was just going to soak up all of the snaps because he ended up with three touchdowns. But Devonta Freeman was the yardage leader for running backs, rushing for 152 yards on 14 attempts. Uh, he also had five catches. So, I mean, that, that was fantastic. Ezekiel Elliott looks like he picked up the pace finally, but they played the Bears. So, again, you've got some great rushers, but against bad teams. Yeah. Um, the first guy that I noticed that did well, even though the, the defense wasn't terrible, was probably DeMarco Murray and LaShawn McCoy, um, who were names... Mm, I disagree. The Oakland defense is terrible. Who were names uh, earlier this season that you maybe didn't think were going to be up there in the top five or six guys uh, because uh, for DeMarco Murray, for example, you had Derrick Henry on Tennessee, but then Derrick Henry hasn't really done much of anything, and DeMarco Murray solidified his job there. Yeah, DeMarco Murray looks great in Tennessee. You know, he had a 7.1 yards per carry in this game. His along was only 36, so that means he had lots of good carries. Um, You know, 114 yards and a touchdown, I'll take that every week. And Buffalo had just fired their offensive coordinator. The new guy's like, well, we're going to give the ball to LaShawn McCoy. And they did. So he's, Who's the best player on our offense? Right. Well, maybe maybe, maybe LaShawn McCoy. So, Well, with a very banged up Sammy Watkins, it's definitely LaShawn McCoy. He got 110 yards and two touchdowns. So that's great to see. And we've got Kristen Michael on Seattle who ran for 106 and two touchdowns. Both those touchdowns were really early in the game. I was watching them like, oh, geez. <laughs> You know, not at all because I used to own him yeah, in he had Dynasty. Twenty first quarter points. Uh, so it looks like he's the guy there, right? There's no Rawls uh, in the picture immediately. Anyway. Rawls is what got a couple weeks injury going that he's working with. That just seems to keep adding up. Yeah. All right. I need to get glasses for the Imperial Milk Stout, my friend. I will return in a second. Uh, looking at the 100-plus yard receivers, the top guy we were talking about is Marvin Jones with six receptions for 205 yards and two touchdowns. That was obviously a career best for Jones and pretty fantastic game. After that, we surprisingly have T.Y. Hilton that put up 174 yards on eight receptions and a touchdown and Doug Baldwin. A little bit later when we're talking about waiver picks, we'll, we'll go over Terrell Pryor, but he had a great performance with eight receptions for 144 yards. Coming from a guy who was a quarterback up until two years ago and uh, actually won games as a quarterback in the NFL, it's really surprising that he was uh, turned into a wide receiver um, after teams just didn't want to try him out any longer uh, running that read option offense. Sure. And he actually did really well in the wide receiver role, especially because Corey Coleman is out for four to six weeks with a broken hand. And Josh Gordon, e- even if he does well this season, isn't even going to come back until week five. So right now, Pryor's the only real offensive you know guy they have out there besides the, uh, the tandem of Duke Johnson Jr. and Isaiah Crowell, who... Let's be honest; are not the best running backs in the league. They're just—they were just the <laughs> only people. A couple people of that, guys, yeah. They were just the only people that could uh, grab the the football. <laughs> um, so enough of that. A very interesting uh, week last week. A lot of high scores, and that's always cool. You know, it's it's like playing um, it's like playing video games, and you want to play the video game where you can blast the most amount of things. There was also a bunch of uh, zeros. Ryan Matthews had negative points. Actually, and then uh, Gronkowski had zero. Uh, who's on the... Kelvin Benjamin had zero as well. 
Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches had zero. Uh, <laughs> Devin Funches, the, yeah. That's kind of weird. The Carolina Panthers had a really bad time against Minnesota, like most teams will this year when they play them. Uh, assuming that the defense remains healthy, they are really, really scary. Makes that Green Bay loss look a lot less worse. <laughs> less worse, indeed. Less worse. So, fewer, fewer bad things. So what have you poured us? So we now have a beverage here. So careful, because there is a beverage here. That's what it's called. Uh, it's a white Russian Imperial Milk Stout from Pipeworks. So um, I had seen this, and I, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to try it, but I, I think with the colder weather coming in, I'm ready for something like this. The colder weather coming in. Well, I'm not ready to call it cold weather yet because I do believe that next week in the Chicago Holy area, cow. it's going to go back up to the 70s. It does remind me of a white Russian. But don't don't usher in winter just yet on us. It only okay? it only reminds me of one. It isn't one yet. White Russian Imperial Stout. That's a very interesting beer. Yeah, it's very flavorful. Yeah, there is <laughs> a lot of flavor. So let's talk about trends. Awesome. Let's get a trends theme so song. There we go. Down, do you wanna go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe, and you could look deep into my eyes. That guy was a supermodel. Uh So we did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. And when we talk about trends, which might not be every week, but uh, but certainly some weeks, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over at least some weeks. Well, I'm being specific. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna go over uh, a number of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And we're going to look at their performances over the past weeks, um, past three weeks to be exact, and see if they're sort of going up or going down and what that trend looks like, some background on the player. And then whoever's on the podcast, uh, we're going to uh, bet on whether or not they will reach a certain threshold of points for that next week. Um, Whoever gets the most correct will uh, win a prize or not lose a prize uh, depending on what the uh, what the bet is for, so win or not lose. Do we have any idea what the bet is for, or should we just or think draw. that up while we're doing it? Um, let's get started, and we'll we'll think up something before we finish. Okay, so starting with uh, quarterbacks, we have two quarterbacks to discuss: Trevor Simeon, uh, quarterback, of course, of the Denver Broncos. Week one versus Carolina had 178 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Uh, week two versus Indianapolis had. 266 yards, one interception, and zero touchdowns. But a slightly better game. More yardage and a good completion percentage. Uh, week three at Cincinnati, he had 312 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. So each game he played, his interceptions went down to one and zero. Uh, he ended up with four touchdowns versus Cincinnati, who is not generally a very easy team to beat. 23 for 35 for 312 yards. So that was 11 to 12 to about 29 points. Um, so quite an upswing there. Denver looks like they sort of have it together more than they have in the previous games. And of course, their defense is still pretty good. It's just not uh, Minnesota Vikings defense. <laughs> but he's been an underdog since the beginning of the preseason. This guy from Northwestern who's in there taking over for Peyton Manning. There was a sort of a quarterback battle between him and Mark Sanchez. And uh, Simeon was the one who won. I don't think that either of us really thought that he would get very far, but it seems now that he is not only pretty good, but much better offensively than Peyton Manning was last year. He had a better game last week than Carson Wentz. 
Uh, I think that if it wasn't for Wentz, who is a high-profile player because he was the number two overall pick in a in a big city, and he doesn't have this ferocious defense behind him. But I think that Simeon would be the story if it wasn't for Wentz, just because Simeon's a rookie. He's three and zero. He had an amazing performance last week. He was the best quarterback of the week. So, twelfth highest scoring quarterback in standard <coughs> scoring leagues after three weeks. Can he score 18 points or more this week against the Buccaneers? The Buccaneers are, have allowed seven touchdowns and 800-some yards over the past three games, that making them probably like the 20th best defense against passing or something like that. So what's your opinion, Jay? And we'll switch off each time we do one of these guys so it's not always you going first. Uh, <laughs> sure. And I can uh, – are you going to mark these down or I can mark them down? I, I, got it, I got it all set up ready to go. Okay. So the Tampa Bay – Defense is actually pretty terrible against quarterbacks. They gave up plenty of points to Matt Ryan, Carson Palmer. They even let up uh, a couple of touchdowns to Case Keenum. So I think that Trevor Simeon uh, is going to have a fine day against Tampa Bay. And I didn't mean to rhyme there, but he is going to score more. Well, fine is all in good, but 18 points. Okay, so 18 points or more. Uh, that is the threshold. I miss using round numbers, although I could certainly use decimals. I know how to use them, so watch out. So it's, um, we got to be over 18, right? 18.01. Uh, no, 18 or more, as, okay. it's, as it states. Okay. Them's the rules, man. So I agree. I think he will get 18 or more points against the Bucks because their defense has not been very good. So we do agree on that one. So everyone start your Simeons. So we're both going over. And I'll tell you what, Simeon's probably still out there because of his week one, week two performances. So not a bad guy to uh, to to check out and scoop up if he's available. Um, the next guy on our quarterback list is Kirk Cousins, Washington's quarterback. Of course, he came in after uh, RG3 had this historical explosion um, you know, in, in Washington and, and kind of blew himself up. Um, well, you know, it seems like that's a, thing, a theme with the team, right? Kirk Cousins this year seems like he's trying to blow himself up. Well, he is trending up, uh, and it looks like he week one versus Pittsburgh had 329 yards and two interceptions. So he did not have any touchdowns that week. Week two versus Dallas, he had 364 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. And in week three versus the Giants, actually at New York Giants, uh, he had 296 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So looking at the numbers, sort of similar to Simeon, he went from two interceptions to one to zero. And then if you look at the very interesting transverse numbers, the touchdowns went from zero to one to two. So what's been interesting about Cousins is that he's been more on target, more accurate, and giving the ball away less um, every game that he's played. And going up against Dallas and the New York Giants, they're not slouch teams. They're both pretty good teams. So I would expect uh, that they would you know, give the Washington Redskins a tough time. Granted, when they played Pittsburgh in week one, Pittsburgh kind of just walked all over the Redskins. So so here's what we're looking at. About 11 points to 19 points to 19 points. Um, Do you think that um, the Redskins, when they go up against the Cleveland Browns in week four, which is a team that almost everybody's been putting up a bunch of points on, uh, can he score 17 or more points to sort of maintain his upward uh, mobility and trend? Cleveland Browns, 19... uh... Or, I'm sorry, ninth most fantasy points given up. Uh, I do believe you go first on this one, but... Um... Yes, I do. And I do think that he will, again, keep up uh, with that trend, 17 or more points for Kirk Cousins against the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with that. The Browns have given up 
a, at least 18 points to everyone. And it's not like a murderer's row here. you got Wentz, Flacco, and Tannehill. This is going to be great. If we go through all of these and agree with all of them, then it'll be all down to the tiebreaker. Which we haven't picked yet. <laughs> well, I have an idea. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that's quarterback. So we both think that Kirk Cousins and Trevor Simeon are going to keep up their pace and trend the general upwardness. So General upwardness. So that's, that's it makes sense to me. And Cousins, uh, for the past two weeks, for example, has been pretty steady, uh, just sort of trading out yardage for an inter- interception. So... <laughs> um, this beer is pretty good, by the way. It's called Careful Man, There's a Beverage Here. It's called Hey, Careful Man, There's a Beverage Here. That's a really long name for a beer. <laughs> uh, remember in the chat room, if you guys have any lineup questions or uh, any other uh, questions or comments, please feel free to leave them for us and also let us know what you're drinking. Even if it's not alcoholic, it's still interesting. Uh, <laughs> unless it's unsweetened iced tea, which is apparently the most uninteresting drink of all time it's less interesting than water (laughs) uh running backs okay so we've got tevin coleman tevin coleman uh atlanta running back of course uh if you saw the game on monday night football you would be familiar with his three touchdown performance and a lot of people are up in arms about tevin coleman because of Devontae freeman's production going down wasn't the case on monday because there was plenty of production to go around in a standard league, they were the number one and two running backs. That's awesome. Yeah. So week one versus Tampa Bay, he had eight uh, carries for 22 yards. So not a guy who's rushing for a lot of yards. But then he had five receptions for 95 yards for 11 points. Week two at Oakland, 12 for 46. Again, uh, decent performance, but not a lot of rushing yards. He did have a rushing touchdown, though. Two receptions for 25 yards, zero touchdowns. That's 13 points because of the touch. Week three, uh, which was just on Monday, yesterday night, uh, he had 12 for 42, which is going to, I think generally they're going to give him like 10 to 12 carries every single game, as long as the uh, as the game flow dictates that. Yeah. Uh, but he scored three touchdowns, so he is stealing now sort of some goal line carries from Devonta, um, and 47 yards on three receptions. Uh, no touchdowns on receptions yet for Coleman, although he does get a bunch of receptions. Uh, mostly scoring on, well, entirely scoring on those rushing touches that he gets. That's 26.9 points for week three. So 11 to 13 to 27, basically. Um, he is going up against the Panthers defense in week four. It looks like uh, we're pretty solidified here on Coleman and Freeman splitting those snaps because both of them have been productive. Um, so I don't see one or the other getting a ton more. They're probably going to maintain mostly this uh, pretty close uh, snap count with each other. But will Coleman be able to continue this burst of productivity and put up 17 or more points against the Panthers' defense in order to maintain this upward trend that he's currently on? Oh, boy. I mean, 17 points against Carolina doesn't seem very likely. Aside from C.J. Anderson, they've held everyone in in check. This is standard scoring, by the way, so no PPR or anything like that. You don't get bonuses from the receptions. Right, but you do get the receiving yards. No, I'm I'm looking at the standard fantasy points against here. Uh, But I'm going to have to go under with this. I just think that putting 17 on Coleman against that defense is uh, a little too more, a little too much. So that would mean he kind of breaks the trend, and I understand because of Carolina's defense. Totally makes sense to me. Um, I I have a hard time saying saying yes to this as well, uh, mostly because of that huge three-touchdown performance, which is the reason why he got the 27 points in the first place. So maybe this is kind of uh, 
insurmountable. Well, they um, haven't had to play a really good defense. Uh, I'm sorry, a really good offense since Denver, um, where they gave up all those points. So maybe an Atlanta offense, which looks like one of the best in the league, can still do some damage. And he's a touchdown vulture right now. Yep, he's taking a lot of those touchdowns away. But uh, again, I agree with you. Um, I don't think that he can. Can't sell you on the over. I don't think he can sustain the uh, the current trend because of the defense that he'll be playing against. And you'll have an angry Panthers team that just lost their butts off to a uh, to a Minnesota Vikings squad. So no on Tevin Coleman. Okay, so we're both under and over on the quarterbacks. <laughs> there is no variance so far. Uh, Theo Riddick, Detroit running back. Uh, this is not an upward trend, but a downward one. So this guy, um, he was a huge waiver wire ad after Week One's performance, where he scored seven. Uh, sorry, he scored two touchdowns, one on the ground, one in the air. He rushed seven times for 45 yards and got five receptions for 63 yards for a total of 22.8 points in a standard scoring league. Week Two versus Tennessee, he rushed 11 times for 37 yards. And had four receptions for 28, no touchdowns, uh, versus Green Bay in Week 3. He rushed 10 times for 9 yards, bad indicator there. Uh, Seven receptions for 39 yards, no touchdowns. So his points went from 29 to 6 to 5. So he is kind of coming down the scale. Um, Of course, uh, Riddick was hyped up after it was revealed that Amir Abdullah could miss the entire season. Um, The emergence of Dwayne Washington who looks to be a guy that they want to put in there as an every-down-back kind of character, as opposed to Theo Riddick, who's more of a complimentary back, could give us pause here um, and say, you know, the sinking production and the kind of player that Theo Riddick is, maybe he won't be able to sustain um, a good amount of fantasy production, even after that first week's um, workload and those two touchdowns he had. So... They're playing the Bears, who do not have a great defense. They've been giving up a lot of points. Can he step it back up to score at least 11 points versus the Bears and make himself fantasy relevant, or will that not happen for him? Boy, Theo Riddick. Um, You know, he, he really looked bad against Green Bay. Green Bay is not necessarily a team that stops the run, uh, yet, you know, he's playing the Bears. And the Bears are... You know, they just gave up 140 yards to Ezekiel Elliott on 30 carries. Theo Riddick's not that kind of player to get 30 carries, so... Yeah, he's getting 7-11. to 11. I'm going to go under with this again. I think that the Lions are going to win, um, but it may be, like, one of the only chances the Bears have to win all season as well. So, this may be the one. So, he will not score at least 11 points, and he <clears throat> will... Uh... Not not be that fantasy relevant in this particular game. Agreed. I, I well, that's what I say. I think that he will. I think that he will score eleven points or more in this game versus the Bears. Good. Because I wanted it to be. I just wanted to go wherever you didn't go. It's kind of like a popcorn defense, you know. Has it has been the past couple of years where anybody going up against the Bears tends to have supernatural powers. They become basically like Marvel superheroes. Well, maybe they'll throw the ball. <laughs> we'll get another thirty point performance from Marvin Jones. Well, I, that'd be fine. Of course they'll throw the ball a lot because they have Matt Stafford. But as far as Riddick is concerned... Yeah, we established that earlier. I say yes, you say no. So that is uh, the first sort of uh, thing differentiating us so far. Okay, cool. Um, on to the wide receivers? 
yeah, so so why don't you take it away? So Quincy and Nunwa, uh, one of my favorite emerging players for this season. Uh, I was kind of surprised to notice, but yes, he is trending downward, right? So week one in Cincinnati, seven catches, uh, 54 yards, but a touchdown, 11 and a half points. Week two at Buffalo, six catches on six targets for 92 yards, 9.2 points. Both solid games there. Um, and then last week it was four for 11, 37 yards. Uh, I think that's a product of Ryan Fitzpatrick being awful. I'm sure some of those seven incompletions wound up being interceptions. Um, so he's been a very uh, hot topic this year, and Marshall is a little hobbled by his knee injury. They were talking about a snap count for him last week, um, but, I mean, it's hard to tell what they wanted to do in that game. They were just so bad. Uh, so it seems like if either if Marshall or Decker in the future goes down, right, Inunua is going to totally step up. He's going to be the that guy, the number two guy, I would assume. Um, but it's clear that Ryan Fitzpatrick likes throwing him the ball. He's still going to be someone who gets a lot of third down targets. He's, uh, you know, if he gets a touchdown, then he's a good play, basically. Um, so in week four, unfortunately, and for the next three weeks, really, uh, they play Seattle, and then they have other tough defenses to play after that. Um, so Inunua, I think, is going to be kind of uh, week over the next couple of weeks because the whole team is going to struggle. But the Jets can pick it up later on down the line. Maybe Anuma is worth carrying, maybe not. But uh, what we want to know here is will he be able to score at least eight points uh, with all of the other people that they have to feed on that offense? Matt Forte, you know, uh, Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, um, Bilal Powell from time to time. He doesn't seem to be very involved in the offense yet. And I know they like that guy. So will he score at least eight points? Uh, Dave, I went first last time. Now it's your turn. Okay. Um, so I, I my, my analysis is this. I agree that last week was a product of Fitzpatrick being terrible. I don't know if he's suddenly a terrible quarterback or if that was just one bad game. It's hard to say it's one bad game when you throw a, a, a historical amount of interceptions. Um, but I like Fitzpatrick. I'm going to say that he does not score at least eight points, but I'm going to say that's probably because he doesn't score a touchdown. I think he can get real close to the 60, 70 yards on you know six or seven receptions. And I think Anunwa's value is more in a PPR league than a standard one. Uh, yeah, he definitely has a higher PPR value. Um, but when you look at uh, the Seattle Seahawks against receivers, they are just way too good. Um so they're not giving up many points at all. They don't have any players who've scored even 10 points. Kenny Britt has the most points against them. He is 9.4. So I, I, too, have to go under with this. I just don't see how it happens with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker there. So eight points is a is a good bet for him most of the year, but not this week. <laughs> all right. Uh, at WR2, uh, the second wide receiver spot that we have, is Jamison Crowder. So the wide receiver in Washington has been trending up a bit. Week 1 against Pittsburgh, he had 6 catches on 10 targets, 58 yards. Week 2, he had a touchdown to go with 6 catches and 39 yards. And week 3, 4 catches, 78 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Obviously, week 3 is much closer to the kind of stat line that you would like to see with this guy. Uh, It makes me nervous when there's a guy uh, who's like Jarvis Landry but doesn't really produce. Right, he's going to get a ton of targets and a ton of catches, but he's almost like a bad tight end where he's only going to get like forty yards in the game. Um, so I don't want to see that. It looks like he's going to be uh, a more of a favorite target over Pierre Garcon. Um, you know, 
he's going to start with Deshaun Jackson, basically, right? He's going to be the guy that Kirk Cousins is going to look to on first and second down from time to time. So that's going to improve uh, his production. It's going to improve his like downfield capabilities. So they play the Browns this week. Uh, the Browns uh, are the team that we're throwing shade at as much as we can, apparently. Uh, more so than the Bears, even. So... You know, will he score at least 10 points this week and continue his positive trend? Yeah, I think Crowder does. I think Crowder becomes uh, the number two guy and some weeks uh, outperforms Deshaun Jackson because he's kind of the boomer bust guy in that team. So I think uh, we're going to see more and more of him. I love him as a pickup if he's not already owned in your league. So I say he scores 10 or more points. You know, the 10 is kind of low, I think. I think I, I want to aim for over because it's 10 but i'm gonna say under because i think that cleveland is gonna win this game (laughs) why because they're they're you know they're they're figuring it out they've played okay in the last couple of games they've been competitive in them so i think that they can win against a washington team that is not as good as maybe they think they are you should be a browns fan it would be it'll be fun to watch you suffer and squirm like every year when, when everyone thinks they're going to be good and then they become one of the worst teams in the league consistently. I, I don't need to do that. I can just be a Cubs fan. Or a Bears fan. Are you ready for the Cubs fans to Or a Bulls fan. <laughs> Whatever happens this year, the Cubs fans are all going to experience like an emotional extreme that they've never felt before. Uh, well, I don't want to talk about the Cubs, but, <laughs> but they are really good. They are, but if they lose, everyone is going to be more crushed than they've ever been. It's true. Uh, tight ends, uh, I brought up Jimmy Graham here, Seattle tight end. Week one, he had one reception for 11 yards, 1.1 points. Week two at L.A., that's uh, three for four, 42 yards, 4.2 points. Week three, he had his breakout game this year, uh, six of nine, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Now, those stats are interesting, one to four to 14. You would think, and, and it makes sense, that, of course, uh, he wouldn't do well at the beginning of the year just coming off of this gruesome patellar tendon in the injury that often makes uh, athletes like just change their whole career, not just get worse at it, just leave <laughs> the sport entirely. Yeah. And this, this happens a lot. But it looks like, and I saw um, the replay of the Seattle game from last week, it looks to me like Jimmy Graham is in almost 100% healthy shape again. And that's pretty incredible. We've had some conversations about this a little bit, about uh, how in the past if people had ACLs or MCL tears or broken vertebrae or you know displaced ribs, which we're not <laughs> sure is a real thing or not. But anyway, these injuries at one point or another have all been injuries that end someone's career if they're an athlete someone that requires full range of motion and full speed and full stability. Um, But nowadays, these injuries that were so bad um, start to become uh, overcomable. And it looks to me... Overcomable. Indeed. (laughs) I can make up words, right? Sure. (laughs) And it looks to me like that's what has happened here is that even though the history has shown us that these injuries can destroy an athlete, he looks to have recovered with flying colors and is doing really well. Now, whether or not he's going to continue on that path uh, is sort of up to the way that the game flow goes and whether or not Jimmy Graham is used on a regular basis in the offense. Towards the end of last year, Seattle became a more pass-happy team. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be used a lot this year. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people and that you should grab him from the waivers as soon as possible. 
I don't know if he's going to return to Drew Brees' New Orleans numbers, but we can see here, and I don't know if you saw the game, guys. I'm talking to everyone listening, of course. But he was reaching on Monday night. He was jumping up for stuff and reaching for things just like he was a couple years ago. Oh, you mean the the Jimmy Graham game? Yes. Yeah, he's looking pretty good right now. Um, obviously, they really need that that second real receiving threat. Doug Baldwin is doing everything he can to help that team win. He had an amazing game this week, diving one-handed catches and all kinds of stuff like that. But if they can get Jimmy Graham going and Russell Wilson can get healthy, the defense is already playing well. Uh, they can run away with the West because nobody seems to want to dominate in that division right now. Well, it does look like Russell Wilson is going to practice and play this week because that's what the news the bionic is. Man. Well, MCL sprain isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, but you, first of all, the ankle injury he had last week is usually something that people take a week or two off for. The MCL injury he had this week is also something that people usually take a week or two off for. But Russell Wilson heals at an amazing rate and just plays. Yeah. And uh, and it's not going to be 100% healthy, Wilson, blah, blah, blah. But Tyler Lockett doesn't look to be that great this year, even though a lot of people thought he was going to be based on uh, some good performances last year. So I agree with you. If Graham steps up, then that team can be really good uh, because now you've got a guy like Michael who is exactly what Seattle wants. You want somebody to continue to beat the ball down your throat and take the focus off of the wide receivers and uh, anyone catching the ball, really. So... Uh, can he uh, keep it up against the Jets in Week 4? Whether or not he has a backup quarterback, I think that he'll be targeted a lot. Seven points is all he needs to maintain this trend because of how low scoring he was in Week 1 and 2. Because it's seven points, that means that he has to get at least 70 yards or a touchdown. So I think he does get either 70 yards or a touchdown and sort of uh, continues on his uh, his path to being some percentage of Jimmy Graham again. Yeah, I, I already wrote in over, over for both of us on that. I kind of figured that at least seven is kind of a guarantee. I, I gotta, I'm curious, what did you, did you, did you just kind of pick these numbers? Uh, did you calculate them based on something? Uh, the the numbers that we're gonna go over and under by. Uh, these particular numbers are an an average of the three weeks tilted upwards towards the or downwards towards the trend. Okay. Okay. So I could have gone up higher and lower, but I, I know we've done this in the past. The rest I, seem fine. Jimmy Graham seems a little light, but other than that, I don't really have a complaint with the rest of it. Well, you, you could say that week three, it was just he was getting open or had a mismatch or something, and then he won't reach that height any longer. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, we'll see. But uh, It was San Francisco after all. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, so, so that's it for those guys. As far as a, a tiebreaker... Um, I, I don't have anything awesome. What I was thinking is that we uh, do the number of yards that Jordan Howard rushes for against the Lions um, at one uh, or rather noon uh, Central Time on Sunday. You could have said one o'clock Eastern and still been correct. I yes, I could have. <laughs> so I'll go first, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look at what the Lions give up to running backs really quick because I I love looking at fantasy points against and stuff like that. Uh, it gives you a good idea of how the defenses perform, at least. It does. But from, the, a, from a perspective of the stats that you need for your players. Um, just a couple games, it's tough to look at that and say, this is it. But, you know, you need like half a season to, to, to really uh Small sample size right now. Very small. But we've had three, at least. You know, three is something. So small. At this point. Very small. This sample size is so small. <laughs> All right. So... The Detroit Lions, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with uh, 85 yards. 85 yards. That's in Jordan Howard. That's incredible. Uh, well, I since you're going first, I I will go a little bit under that, and uh, it's not closest without going over. It's just whatever. Just closest. So I'll say 60 yards. All right. Because uh, I don't think he'll have a breakout game, but I think he'll do pretty well. So I, I say 60 yards and a touchdown. Although we're not we're not talking about touches. Um, Jordan Howard, I support. I always thought that Langford was a crappy running back, and I actually made a bet last year that he wouldn't be the starter. Unfortunately, he didn't get his injury three weeks earlier. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, Langford. I'm, you're probably not a bad guy. I just don't think you're a very good running back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Bears agree with me anyway. What's really interesting to me is uh, what if the Bears don't even start Jay Cutler, even if he's healthy, and because they're just sort of tearing up their team and, and making it explode in a dumpster and start on fire? What if they just start Matt Barkley and just, like, see what happens? Because they obviously are punting this season. and well, want... They would leave Brian Hoyer in, right? Why? He's terrible. Well, Matt Barkley was on the practice squad. It's not like he's even anybody that they want to develop. Who cares? At this point, don't they want, like, uh, one of the amazing quarterbacks or running backs or whatever in the 2017 oh, draft? please thank the season. I am already, <laughs> you know, suck for whoever... You know, you can rhyme with in the draft. It would not be that surprising to me if they have Cutler come out there and don't even start him. I mean, look at Forte. He was healthy, not started. And look at Marshall. He was a great receiver. They traded him away. They apparently don't want to win in Chicago. <laughs> they just don't want good players, Dave. That's different. John Fox is uh, is entrenched there now in Hallis Hall. And he's got a job for at least the next couple of years. So maybe he's just like, I don't really want to deal with any uh, any good athletes. Winning comes with all kinds of problems. <laughs> Let's just be conservative and bad and just get rid of all of our chances to win. You win one week, they expect you to win the next week. <laughs> it's too much hassle. Give us some music, uh, uh, Mr. Mister Joel. Very nice. I, I agree with uh, one of the people in the chat right now on T321. He says, stream all the defenses against the Bears. I say, stream all the defenses against the Bears. I totally agree with you. And the Browns. Well, you just talked about the Browns getting it together, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I did say that I think they're going to win this week. <laughs> so uh, bet on that. Now we're going to talk about some of the features that we have on the website um, which the Trends article will be up there too. But uh, here's the stuff you can find right now on drink5.com if you'd like to follow along, for example. We have the uh, waiver wire um, uh, pickups, pick which is written every week by a fellow named Jim who's on staff, and he is a uh, wonderful judge of talent. He is actually an actuary. The guy works with numbers, and you should uh, trust his judgment when it comes to numbers. He does his research, and it's good. The, uh, the idea here is that in Yahoo scoring, uh, standard scoring leagues, we are picking guys that are 50% or less owned that you should pick up now and that should be doing well uh, in week four and sometimes going forward after that. So first, let's talk about quarterbacks. Joe Flacco, who's someone who's been mentioned in the last couple of weeks by me, by other people, um, he is 29% owned. And a bye week fill-in, for example, if you're losing one of your uh, quarterbacks this particular bye week. Uh, he is a good fill-in, having a good matchup against the Raiders' pass defense that gives up 340 passing yards per game and the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So 
if you're looking for someone to fill in at the quarterback position, look no further than Joe Flacco against the Raiders. Um, yeah, I mean, go for Joe Flacco. I, the one thing that I think of, you know, in all these uh, quarterback leagues is that there usually is an exception to the 50% rule with quarterbacks uh, in that, you know, there's guys available that you wouldn't expect. Last week, Matt Ryan was available in a league. This week in one of my leagues, Philip Rivers is available. So, I mean, always, Those are just people getting frustrated with those quarterbacks. Yes. The the, the one <laughs> thing that I we always say with the waivers is always look for uh, guys you wouldn't expect there because they are owned in a lot of leagues because that could happen. Yeah, although there, there are possible, like if, you, if it's a bye week fill-in specifically you're looking for and not like an injury. Then you may be going for the matchup. You're you, totally right. right. You're playing a matchup. Then you can just dump Flacco because he's not going to be amazing year-round. He's not going to play the Raiders again, that's for sure. Right. Uh, honorable mention is Carson Wentz, only owned by 20% of people. But uh, that could also be uh, allotted to the fact that his bye week is this week. So you wouldn't be able to play him. You're going to pick him up in a two-quarterback league or in a one-quarterback league where you've got deep benches just so that you can have him for the rest of the year because he's put up great stats so far and he's getting better and better. As we mentioned, talk about a a guy who's trending up. Carson Wentz is that guy. Um, Running backs, Jordan Howard. We just spent a, a good amount of time talking about him. After Jeremy Langford was carted off the field in week three, the 25% owned Jordan Howard becomes the lead back, uh, assumed. It could be Kadeem Carey because who knows with the Bears, but we assume, uh, let's say 95% probability that Howard will be the lead back and given every opportunity to be a great uh, fantasy productive player. So if he performs well enough while Langford is off the field, he will retain that role for the rest of the season, perhaps going forward for multiple years. So whether you're in a keeper or a dynasty or a redraft league, Jordan Howard is probably the best pickup for this entire um, this entire week. Uh, Jim also says that uh, he's the waiver out of the week, and his uh, next three weeks are against the Lions, Colts, and Jaguars. So even if you pick him up for the short term while Langford is injured, even if he doesn't retain the job, he's still a guy who can fill in at your flex position regardless of your roster. He's got three great matchups uh, in games that the Bears might be able to win. Um, and you're in, you know, with a running back, you're always looking for a team that's going to win so that, you know, they're going to run the clock out and use the running back more. So, you know, those are the chances that they have. I like Langford, or I'm sorry, Howard this week. Um, I agree. Best uh, pickup of the week. Orleans Darkwa, 3% owned. Jennings is out. Who knows when he'll be back? Although Jason did mention that it's possible it could be this week. I don't think that the Giants really trust Jennings as their number one guy anyway. So it's going to be that rotunda of running backs. They gave up on him as a number one pretty fast. Shane Vereen is now out for possibly the season. So Darkwa, who did pretty well, uh, ended up with 53 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries and a reception for 9 yards uh, this past week will probably end up being the lead back unless Paul Perkins creeps in. So, tough situation, but if you're in a really deep league, and there are leagues out there that, or or like a league that has 16 teams or whatever, uh, these are the kind of guys that you're going to be looking for on the bench uh, that may even be able to fill in on your roster due to injuries. Think about a team that's in a 16-team league, and they were starting, let's say, Adrian Peterson and Danny Woodhead. Well... They had a good thing going. <laughs> they they had a good thing. And now they have no one. So that's the kind of team that could pick up a dark wall. And even if it is for three or four weeks, 
or even if he's not amazing and just splits carries with Perkins and Jennings, he's still a guy that you're going to want in that kind of league. Yeah, maybe you're in a PPR league and you had Danny Woodhead and Keenan Allen paired up, and you're just screwed. <laughs> Honorable mention is Cameron Artis Payne, 19% owned. Uh, he did fairly well. Uh, as well, we don't know when Jonathan Stewart will be back yet, so he's going to continue to split carries with Fozzie Whitaker. I think that Artis Payne is the guy that they're going to try to continue to build more than Fozzie, but Fozzie will still get you know around half of those carries. So it's not it's not great positive news coming out of Carolina, and you don't want to have a running back there anyway, really, because Cam Newton's going to get the goal line carries. Right, Cam Newton is a touchdown vulture, you know, for three different ways, really, and. Artis Payne, you know, he's going to get 55% of the carries probably. Um, but, yeah, it's not, a, it's, it's not a lot. It's not enough to start him uh, over any of these guys. Sure. But he, they will have a much better matchup this week against uh, Atlanta compared to the Vikings. Um, we're looking at wide receivers now. Terrell Pryor, we touched on him earlier. He had 8 out of 14 targets caught for 144 yards, which is impressive considering that those targets are coming from a quarterback named... Uh, Kessler? Cody? <laughs> uh, he rushed four times for 21 yards and a touchdown, and he actually uh, completed three of five passes for 35 yards as well. Remember, this is a guy who played quarterback in the NFL and actually won a game in the NFL as a quarterback. <laughs> it's pretty cool to have a receiver that was a quarterback because he sort of know things that most receivers don't know about the game and the routes and, you know... He's probably a better quarterback than the quarterback they have in right now, but they don't want him to be a quarterback. They want him to be a wide receiver. They've turned him into a wide receiver and obviously a pretty good one considering that he just got 144 yards uh, in this past game versus Miami. Yeah. I expect him to continue a high amount of production, although everyone should know that Josh Gordon is not suspended this year after the fourth game, which means he can come in in game number five. Corey Coleman, who was the number one wide receiver there previously, is out with a broken hand for four to six weeks. So Pryor will be relevant, but how relevant is really up to uh, can he maintain this kind of production um, consistently with a quarterback that's not very good. If Josh McCown comes back in, I think that we can see some pretty good production from Pryor and Gordon going forward because Coleman will still be out for a couple of weeks. But Pryor might not be in an all-season uh, acquisition. And Cleveland might have some really bad games where nothing happens um, <laughs> at all. Now, remember a couple of years ago, or was it just last year, Josh McCown and the Browns, I don't care how bad they are, are still going to have garbage time points. And we had guys like Travis Benjamin, who's now on the San Diego Chargers, who was the beneficiary of a lot of that. So regardless of who the receivers are, if they're good enough and talented enough, they're going to get fantasy points on that team because that team is going to lose a lot of games. Right, and I think that this week in particular, Pryor is a good pickup to start right now. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly, they're going to use him all over the place. He's going to have the ball in his hands. He even lined up as a safety for a couple plays last for, week. Yeah, I think the last play of the game. <laughs> and, and that's not uncommon for wide receivers to do that, but, you know, having a guy line up at four different positions and score you points three different ways is pretty fun. Um, so so that's that's the top wide receiver uh, waiver wire pick. We've also got Steve Smith Sr., 39% owned. Um, he didn't make it to the end zone in week three, but he caught eight of 11 targets for 87 yards. Jason and I can, can tell you and profess to this because it's going to happen again. Steve Smith will be good for the first half of the season. 
So if you don't have him on your team, if he's available in a league, you should pick him up and play him. He is uh, the best receiver on that team, along with now Mike Wallace. And it actually might help Steve Smith, and it does help him, to have Mike Wallace, who's a deep threat, to take away defensive targets. Because uh, Steve Smith is not as quick as he used to be when he wasn't 38 years old or whatever he is right now. Um, And he's not going to play for probably any more years. So just temper expectations if you pick up a guy like that. Or if you have him on your team right now, you should probably try to sell him for anything you can possibly get. Because we both know that after week eight, he's going to do something terrible and not play any more football. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he may not go out injured like he has in the past, but... He, he does tend to get ineffective. If I mean, it'll probably end up being an injury because he's older. He'll break down sooner. Yeah, careful. Don't start getting on Steve Smith's side again because then you'll just be disappointed when it happens like it does well, every year. Well, just like prior, <laughs> uh, I would pick up Steve Smith and start him this week if I needed to fill in for maybe Jordy Nelson or Jordan Matthews or somebody on by. Cole Beasley is an honorable mention. Dallas, he seems to be the favorite target of Dak Prescott. So that's great for as long as Dak is the quarterback. I still expect Tony Romo to come back in the next couple of weeks and take over the job, making Des Bryant an amazing receiver again. Uh, as long as Des Bryant's healthy. He was getting an MRI today. I don't know what happened with that. Oh, well, hopefully for Des, he is healthy, yeah. Uh, tight ends, Kyle Rudolph, 42% owned. I will almost put Kyle Rudolph instead of Jimmy Graham in the uh, tight end trends because he is also trending up every game, and Sam Bradford is using him a lot. Now, I've always liked Kyle Rudolph, but the problem that we always had with Kyle is that he wasn't ev- uh, involved enough in the offense, and now he's finally being involved constantly. Great red zone target, uh, great uh, sort of... Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, for the quarterback, um, short yardage, yeah. third down kind of guy, convert. Yeah. So Sam Bradford looks pretty good under center. He looks better than he has on those other teams because he was on the Rams and the Eagles, uh, neither of which during that time had a whole lot of great weapons for him. Um, running a good offense, it looks like this kind of game managing offense is perfect for Bradford. And Rudolph is now kind of blowing up. Now, he's 42% owned, granted, so he might not be available in your league. But if he is, he's a play that you need to to start making immediately. Because the Minnesota Vikings are going to win a lot of games. And Rudolph is going to keep scoring touchdowns. Yeah, uh, totally. I you know, picked up Rudolph in one league. Uh, I, it was a league I had Antonio Gates in. He didn't play this week. I just dropped him. I'm keeping Kyle Rudolph now. I mean, that sometimes is a bit of a risk, but it clearly paid off this last week. I think you can rely on him uh, to be a part of that offense, a big part of that offense, because the only other player they've got there is Stephon Diggs, and clearly he isn't like an every week stud or anything like that. Yeah, and, and Jim mentions too in the article on drink5.com uh, and that I'm you know dictating to you right now that the, <laughs> the stats make him good for the second most fantasy points and targets at the tight end position behind Greg Olson. So he is literally the number two tight end right now, and he's not even owned in, um, in 58% of leagues. So that's crazy. Uh, defense special teams, uh, Washington Redskins, 7% owned. Uh, Jim is recommending them as a streaming defense because they go up against Cleveland. So we're still fading everybody against Cleveland and against Chicago. I think you continue with that. It's a couple years ago, like going against Jacksonville. If you're going up against those teams, it's fine. Uh, it yeah. should be good. Now, again, Jason thinks that Cleveland will win, and I'm not taking anything. You know, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about you. If Cleveland wins, Washington Redskins are probably a bad pick. Uh, so. But I think Jason is is hoping that they turn it around and win. Doesn't 
think in his heart of hearts that Cleveland is a good it's team. It's not like Cleveland's going to blow them out. <laughs> trust me. I mean, if Cleveland wins, it's going to be like by accident, or they're going to trick them, or something like that. It's really going to be just kind of like, oh wow, they just won. And it literally would be like that. Like the, the Cleveland wouldn't even be able to believe it. <laughs> right. Well, shit, we won. What do we do now? It's crazy. I wasn't expecting that. What happened? <laughs> Did I break it? All right. So, so now we've got um, we've got an interesting column that's written by our own Jason Evans here called "Statistically Insignificant." The idea of this column uh, is that it is going to be uh, stats and numbers and figures from the NFL games of the previous week or from the NFL season so far that are really interesting and they might have some value to us in discussion, etc. But they're not going to win you a fantasy game. So it's just kind of a quick uh, thing to talk about. So let's go over it quickly and try to drink as much beer as we possibly can. Some good water cooler stats, really. I mean, um, so I did just crack another beer here uh, just to plug it. It is a double IPA called Wreckage Master. It is from Solemn Oath Brewery. Um, I was looking for the cap. The cap's no longer on the beer. Solemn Oath, yes, in Naperville, Illinois. Um, so we have had a couple of Solemn Oaths here before. Never had this one, so I am excited for that. Anyways, <laughs> back to the uh, insignificant statistics as it is. Um, so 21 completions, right? 21 in a row Joe Flacco had on Sunday. Uh, a few shy of the single-game record, four short of the overall record, Set just last year by Ryan Tannehill over the course of two games. He did 25 passes in a row. Um, so uh, Flacco, unfortunately, still kind of stinks. <laughs> His final stats were only 214 passing yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns. He did rush for a touchdown, so that kind of salvages his fantasy day. But as a passer, he still looks awful. Um, so um, Flacco has 118 pass attempts this year. Uh they should have lots of receivers doing well. But with 118 pass attempts, he only had 774 yards. His yards per attempt average is awful. Um, you know, I, I want to see guys like Steve Smith and Dennis Pitta and Mike Wallace be regular fantasy options, but I am afraid that their consistency is going to be awful because it's going to rely on games where Joe Flacco gets 200 passing yards. I agree. I think he'll do better when Kenneth Dixon comes in to actually be a decent running back. And I, when they decide that Brashad Perryman shouldn't be given the ball anymore. <laughs> but, well, I think that as soon as Dixon is back, they're going to know that let's just give him the ball. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing's happening. Well, they've got a bunch of scrubs running. otherwise. You know, and longtime veterans like Forsett and the scrubs like Terrence West who can't, they're not good enough to be anywhere else. Right. So, eight sacks. The Vikings had eight sacks of Cam Newton. Uh, it was what I think is the most impressive road victory of the season. You know, the Vikings won in Carolina. Uh, their defense is for real. Uh, we talked about them a bunch earlier. Um, but, you know, when you can combine that defense with the offense that they have right now, which is average at best, uh, they're going to go, you know, probably to the NFC Championship game. They're going to, you know, they're the way they're going now, they're going to have a bye. They're going to host the NFC Championship. I mean, you know, they are rolling right now without much offense, and I don't really see how that's going to stop because they're going to figure more things out on offense unless they just keep getting injured. No, they are. I agree, and they're a scary team. 
And uh, Sam Bradford acquisition was pretty smart of them. They've beaten Green Bay and Carolina already. Yeah. Two of the best teams in the NFC. Yep. So, six interceptions last week for Ryan Fitzpatrick. 14% of his 44 passes wound up in the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so, it's amazing the Chiefs didn't score more points. They did have 35 fantasy points. Um, but it's amazing that, it, just in general, uh, they didn't score more points. I think it was only 24 points total for the game. Um, so, they do have a... a going back to Fitzpatrick, that is. Uh, we talked about him a bit earlier. He has a very tough road ahead of him. Next three games are... At home versus Seattle, at Pittsburgh, and then at Arizona. Uh, a bunch of teams that can cause all kinds of headaches for them. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually broken as a player, um, which is, you know, kind of almost what it felt like in that game when he just kept throwing picks. Um, but I, I have faith in him. I think he's a smart guy. He's going to be able to put this game behind him and, and at least play all right in the next couple of games. And then after this tough stretch, He'll be able to put it back together statistically and, you know, have some big games. Uh, so next number is a 28.98 points. So stand up and take a bow if you started Trevor Simeon on your fantasy team. Nobody is standing, I see. You know, that's not really a surprise. He is only owned in 6% of Yahoo leagues. I saw a stat today that um, in ESPN leagues, Tom Brady was started in 0.9% of leagues and Trevor Simeon was started in 07 of them. So, um, more people had faith in Tom Brady this week than Trevor Simeon. That, or they just had, uh, you know, used a regular league as a mock draft like a jerk. Um, so, uh, I, I do think that Trevor Simeon is one of the knee-jerk uh, pickups this week at quarterback. Um, but I, I wouldn't slight him, and I think that if you want him, go for it. Uh, you know, he had 312 yards and four touchdowns and zero interceptions against what we said was a good team. Um, you know... We had three rookies in the top five this week, although Drew Brees and uh, Matt Ryan did push their way up, I think, towards that. Um, you know, they, they've all had 21 or more points, and rookie quarterbacks are much more impressive, I think, this year than anybody thought they would be. Um, so I, I look forward to seeing a lot more uh, performances. I actually believe I'll be starting Dak Prescott in a two-quarterback league this year. Good luck this to week. you. Good luck to you and Dak. <laughs> Me and Dak. Well, it's <laughs> Dak Prescott or uh, Alex Smith. What do you think, Dave? I don't know. Well, uh, it's not playing against you. I think... We haven't had any lineup questions all show. Who do they play? So the Kansas City Chiefs, Alex Smith, plays uh, Pittsburgh... And Dak Prescott uh, will be playing against the 49ers. I would play Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm playing Dak Prescott this week. Sure thing, man. So, uh, 30 games. Odell Beckham Jr. became the fastest player to 200 receptions, completing the feat in only 30 games. He beat out his former college uh, teammate, Jarvis Landry, who did it in 33 games. So, in the game against Josh Norman... Uh, he had seven catches for 121 yards. For his career now, he has 206 catches, 25 touchdowns, unfortunately none this season, and 3,035 yards. So he's averaging, you know, um, he's averaging, what, eight, seven uh, receptions a game, 100 yards a game, almost a touchdown a game. As a fantasy player, that is freaking gold. Like, you, you can barely beat that. I'm sure Antonio Brown is, like, the only player who has better stats over the last three years than him. That's why he's a top three wide receiver pick. And I love that him and Landry were college teammates. They must have been so awesome in college. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge college football watcher, but if they were playing at the same time, I bet those games were just a pleasure to watch. 
because <laughs> both of those guys are really good athletes. I'm sure it was a pleasure being the quarterback at the time. Yeah, just throw it up and one of them catches it no matter <laughs> what, yeah. Yep. All right, so uh, that's the Statistically Insignificant. Make sure you check that out at drink5.com Every Monday I will be posting that, uh, just kind of going over what I saw on Sunday. All right, so let's end this on a high note. Ah, no, actually, not not that kind of a high note. Sorry, <laughs> um, I, I just think that we should uh, talk about the Thursday game, and that's it because Thursday is in two days. The rest of these games, a lot can happen in between now and then. And even if we were to talk about it, it's not going to change what occurs in the game. I think the uh, the analysis of of what we're talking about in these Very articles on the website is what's important. So. Please go to drink5.com when you have a chance throughout the week when you're setting your lineups. Check out our rankings, which will be up tomorrow, um, if not later this evening. And uh, the most important thing is when you're looking at a when you're looking at a match, like let's say Thursday, it's Dolphins versus the Bengals. What you should do over anything else is look at the defense and how they've played so far. Now, Jason's talking about several times during the show today the fantasy points against, which you can find in Yahoo or ESPN or any league that you're in. Um, with your particular uh, scoring uh, system sometimes, depending on that website. And that's very valuable. I also like just going to the straight um, uh, numbers. So we could say, for example, the Dolphins... They're they're not really very strong at running back right now because they don't have Foster. They have this sort of wheel of Kenyon Drake and Jay Ajayi and a couple other guys. Yeah. But they have Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver who's been awesome. And Devontae Parker, who's been very good over the past couple weeks, if he's healthy and plays this week, that's two great receivers and uh, a quarterback that has been scoring about 20 points per week over the past couple. So let's look at the Bengals and see you know what their passing defense looks like. And uh, let's look at those fantasy points against and say um, how many points are quarterbacks scoring against the Bengals? How many points are wide receivers scoring against the Bengals? And that'll give you a better idea, in my opinion, of what guys to play over what other guys. What you want in there. Then looking at, um, even looking at a specific ranking set. Because on your team, uh, the decisions that you have to make are different from everybody else's. A lot of times you'll have people that are right next to each other. So let's say, like last week, you have a decision to make between Emmanuel Sanders and, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Doug Baldwin. They're probably right next to each other in the ranks. So which one do you start? Well, I would always go for the guy that's starting um, against a team who is worse against uh, defending against wide receivers. Yeah, and I guess that that would have probably been San Francisco at the time, although Cincinnati not... uh not too great against the receivers. Um, you know, going into that game, Calvin Benjamin had put up a big game against San Francisco. Uh, Cincinnati had kept people in check for the most part going into the game. In that game was a totally different story. Denver did put up huge points at the wide receiver position. Um, so this week, when we talk about Miami's uh, wide receivers playing against uh, Cincinnati, I think that, you know, based on what I've seen so far, four wide receivers have put up at least double-digit points. I'm okay with starting Devontae Parker in this game. What do you think about Parker? Uh, sure. I, I think there was some kind of injury concern uh, with him. But, yeah, as, soon, as long as he's starting, he's been getting uh, almost 100 yards per game, um, I believe. Something uh, like had, that. He had 100 yards in the second game two, he didn't play really in game one 
Last week he had about 30 yards and a touchdown, though. Oh, I see. So he's averaging about 10 fantasy points. That makes more sense, yeah. So um, that's not a great. That's not great. Um, he was a full participant at practice this week. He'd been limited in the past weeks. He's a flex position uh, caliber player right now. Then sure, not WR three, but flex. Um, and if you're looking at the Bengals, for example, uh, so let's say talk about running back. They have uh, Bernard and Hill. Hill had a great week last week. Uh, can you remind me what his stats were? I don't. I don't quite remember. I think it was like 92 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, so this week he should do uh, pretty well. You know, you can never count on having a performance like that every week. But for example, uh, Miami has given up an average of 147 yards per game uh, of rushing. And so. It sounds like Cincinnati's plan is probably going to be to run the ball a little bit with Hill. Uh, at least that would be my plan if I wasn't a complete imbecile. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Ernest Goes to the NFL, this movie that's coming out starring me next year, uh, must be uh, what I'm starring in because last week I was actually 0-9 in my fantasy leagues. <laughs> but I must tell you all that you know that's been counteracted going 7-2 uh, and two this uh, Nearly week. counteracted. Point is... Uh, you, you have to you have to weather these bad performances sometimes, and sometimes it's not your fault. And you know, regardless of what you did, you're playing against the highest scoring guy, or you know, blah blah blah. It's gambling. Sometimes the dice don't work in your favor, but thankfully we can do things to our teams. I play craps, Dave. That's not true. You've played craps. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm not. I'm not sure that play craps. <laughs> anyway. Um, the the thing that you can do in uh, fantasy football that you can't do when you're gambling in, in Vegas at a casino, uh, right, is that you can actually sort of influence the odds by uh, setting the dice, as it were. Sure. Which you can't really do. It doesn't actually work in Vegas, but it, does, it kind of works here. It doesn't actually do anything, you know, but, but you can. You can absolutely do that here. So, so again, uh, make sure to tune into our program next week. That's Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's just name off all the time zones. We could go forever. We could do it in uh, Mountain Time. We could have it in Pacific Time. We could have it in uh, Hawaiian Time. <laughs> Greenwich Mean Time. Mean Time, of course. Yeah. I'm sure that there's like... Uh, I think China is all one time zone. It's an enormous place, but they only have one time zone. Which is... A, dumb thing to do let's be honest well it just makes it really easy like north korea probably has one time zone but north korea makes sense to have only one time zone it's very small it doesn't (laughs) stretch very far east to west i was hoping that you would do some kind of joke Uh, well i don't know i like geography i'm sorry it's called the fearless time zone (laughs) (laughs) it's our fearless leaders time zone the time zone of great best time zone the time zone of great and ultimate happiness (laughs) (laughs) that's a really long acronym but noon is always noon where it went Ever it's noon of, at Pyongyang. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in pursuing my goal of being live on Mixler, Drink5.com podcast, uh, we're going to end at exactly one hour and 30 minutes. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Cheers.